Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. Call 877-499-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So cancel the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 877-499-MY-TV. Right now, to sign up for packages starting as low as $24.99, and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $24.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV. Cancel the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call now. 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV. Welcome to Sports Econ 101. This is the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Now, we don't have any guests today, so we're going just to just you do me. mono a mono yeah. here. And at each uh, commercial break, we're going to ask a sports trivia question, and the theme is, they blew their chance. Ooh. It'll make a little more sense when I ask the question. Talking about, like, maybe the Cleveland Browns or the Boston Red Sox back in the day? You know, uh, these are actually people. Oh, people. people. Oh, that's yes. even better. That's even that's better. Even and some better. of these are actually kind of hard. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how fun. We'll see how smart you are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the uh, first email with the correct answer is going to win a free three-day, two-night stay at the Lighthouse Resort, uh, which is located about... One hour northeast of San Francisco if you get a chance to come to California. Those vacations are free. The only request is a $100 cleaning fee to cover the housekeeping expenses. And uh, just to make everyone uh, aware, the uh, radio station is not sponsoring it, but Lighthouse Resort Marina. And we also have this special. If you go on to Sports Econ 101, uh, the website, and you click on the paintball icon, you can get 85% off. Which is pretty amazing because these tickets usually go for around 30 bucks and they're all around the country. So even if you're in Texas or New Hampshire or California, click on that icon and check out what kind of deal they have because it is very special. Again, you got to go to sportsecon101.com, click on the paintball uh, icon. And let's see here. This this segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding still over 8%, secured by real estate mostly in California. It doesn't get any more conservative than that. you got to check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. In fact, they do a, uh, a little seminar once uh, a month, uh, last oh. Wednesday of the month. For anyone who wants to uh, come, and now that that you actually have to come to California for, uh-huh. and you have to go to Nevada. Gee, it's such a rough thing to have to come to California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the, and the weather in uh, Nevada is uh, actually quite nice. Yes, it is. We're not far from Nevada. We're just a few miles away. Just a few miles away. All right, you're listening to Sports Econ 101. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Invest in some fun this season with this deal from Paintball Tickets. With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. With the purchase of your paintball tickets, you'll receive free admission and equipment rentals to some of the most played-at paintball parks nationwide. And by partnering up with like-minded, safety-conscious paintball fields in thriving markets across the nation, we've ensured there's always a field close to home. These tickets, which can be purchased in bulk, are designed to fit the needs of every skill level, from casual observers to weekend warriors. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button. Pedro Fernandez here. You might know me as the host of Ring Talk Live Worldwide, but this time I'm here to talk about that four-letter word everybody dreads, pain. If you have back pain or knee pain like I do, hey, you should know about the Health Alert Hotline. I'm talking about if Medicare is your primary medical insurance, and guess what? You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. Anything to help me with the pain, hey, makes it more manageable, gets my attention, folks. I love the free delivery, and they take care of the paperwork for you. So if you have Medicare and need help for your back, ankle, knee, or shoulder, guess what? Give the Health Alert Hotline a call toll-free, 1-800-428-1570. 1-800-428-1570. You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. 1-800-428-1570. The Health Alert Hotline, 1-800-428-1570. From small victories at work to big anniversaries at home, every day brings something to celebrate. Hornblower makes your moments extra special with great food, five-star service, and the Bay Area's most spectacular scenery. Cruises depart from San Francisco, Berkeley, and five other California cities. And only Hornblower offers affordable, family-friendly options that include brunch, dinner, dancing, and cocktails. For birthdays, milestones, celebrate with Hornblower. What will you celebrate? Book your cruise today at 1-888-HORNBLOWER or hornblower.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Now, Bruce, we uh, we lost a, 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 a San Francisco Oakland icon recently, yes, and, a, and an NBA icon, uh, Nate Thurman, a terrific uh, defensive player who played on some great Warrior teams back in the late '60s, early '70s. His career lasted about 12, 13 years. He was. The kind of player you don't see that often anymore, Edward, in, in basketball. He could score, he could rebound, but he could also play ferocious defense as a big man. There are not that many big men around. And he played during an uh, era where big men dominated. Wilt Chamberlain, uh, Bill Russell, Walt Bellamy, um, Elvin Hayes. Jabbar. Jab- uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar may have been the most dominant of all. And to a man, every one of these guys uh, say that Nate was maybe the toughest defender. Now, Nate... Uh, 
is in the Hall of Fame, but he was often overshadowed by Russell and by Wilt because they had such a great rivalry and because those teams were always in the finals. Uh, Nate was in the finals a couple of times. Ironically, he was traded um, just before the Warriors won a championship. As a matter of fact, the deal brought in Clifford Clifford Ray Ray, in 1974-75, and maybe the Warriors wouldn't have won it with Nate uh, that year. Who's to say? But I really got a kick out of Rick Barry, his longtime teammate, who said, you know, uh, he was the main... Of course, I was just the dressing on the side, and that's a that's a classy thing to say about a great guy. Yeah. We got to know Nate uh, quite well. Humble, easygoing, had his own uh, barbecue restaurant in San Francisco. It was very popular for maybe many many years, and uh, just a terrific player and very very soft spoken. Not at all like these guys that <laughs> throw their hands up in the air and you know try to get their attention from the cameras. So. Uh, Nate the Great, rest in peace, my that's, friend. That's it. Uh, what what yeah. did he like? He had fifteen. He had a quadruple double. He had a, a quadruple double uh, when he played with the Chicago Bulls late in his career, and that that hasn't happened any, uh, very often. Where he had over uh, ten points, ten rebounds, ten assists, and ten blocks. So I, mean, I, I can't remember that ever happening. Yeah. Uh, but he was that kind of a player, and it's interesting too, Edward. He played in the shadow of Wilt Chamberlain when the, when the Warriors. First came to the Bay Area, Wilt Chamberlain came with the Warriors from Philadelphia, and Nate was drafted. And the Warriors felt because uh, Wilt was going to demand such a high salary and that Nate was coming along that they could use Nate in Wilt's place. And in, and in fact, a couple years later, Wilt's 76ers, that's the team he was traded to, played Nate's Warriors in the NBA Finals. And it was, it was a great Finals. Uh, the Sixers that year were one of the best teams in the NBA, had a, had a terrific record, and they beat the Warriors in six games, but uh, very competitive series, and Nate was terrific. And uh, Wilt went to the Lakers, the evil Lakers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, and, and the Lakers were even better. You know, you think about it. They won, what was it, 30 in a row, something like, something that? like that? Yeah, until the Jerry Warriors, West, yeah, yeah. Until the Warriors uh, uh, set a new record. I, I believe the Warriors broke their record. I'm trying to remember if they, they broke their – they broke the all-time record. The Warriors had – no, they didn't break their wins in a row. <laughs> yeah, in a row, yeah. Yeah, I think their Lakers had over – I think it was 33, and the Warriors, I believe, had 24 to start the season. Yeah. But that's remarkable in this day and age that you could do that. And it, it, even in 72-73, when the Lakers had West, and I believe Baylor had just retired, but Chamberlain was at, a, at the peak of his powers. That was an awesome collection of, of talent. Yeah. Um, it's probably harder to do now because there's uh, more teams. I think so. And yeah. I think teams also uh, prepare a little bit more. Well, they have more uh, information available. They have more video available. Mm. They can really specialize more. It's not that the guys in the old days didn't practice and prepare. They did, but they were so familiar because you played the other team seven or eight times, you didn't need to go over videotape. You didn't need to go over scouting reports quite as much as you do today. When you only face a team sometimes two times a year, you're not that familiar with them. Did did they still have the same... Uh, I mean, obviously, there's only five players on at any point in time. Right. But did they have the same amount in, um, you know, on the bench? On the bench, that's a good question. I believe it was twelve. Um, I'm trying to remember when they expanded the roster. I think you can have. I think your roster is fifteen. With you're only allowed to activate. I believe it's twelve. Um, I may be wrong about that. Uh, but in the old days, you know, there were fewer teams, fewer jobs, more competitive. That's why when the ABA came along, Edward, in, in 1967, uh, mm-hmm. that really, I think, was great for, for the players and for the and for fans because the ABA emphasized that three-point shot, which, of course, has become oh, a, yeah. a stock mm-hmm. part of our, sure. our game today. But Nate Thurman, uh, again, getting back to Nate, um, I just remember – talking with him about those years and those teams and you know he'd always kind of low-key his involvement as if it was just ah, that's what I was supposed to do and you know we don't see that kind of humility uh anymore uh, very I wonder, often I wonder if like someone like Tim Duncan 
Tim Duncan he, is very much like, like that. that. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say that because there are guys like that. Tim yeah. Duncan's very much like that. Give Tim Duncan credit too. What a what a great player. I mean, part of five championships. Yeah. Five different teams, and they were all very. You know, some of those teams were very different. But he was a quiet force. I remember watching and covering his last college game. His team lost Wake Forest, yep, lost to Stanford in the uh, second round of the 1997 NC2A tournament. And I remember seeing this young man. He was about 20 years old at the time, just crestfallen. And I, and I could just sense that uh, that, that was going to kind of spur him on, huh. no, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he, good, uh, one. good one, Bruce. Good yeah. One. Well, you know, he probably could have played another year. I mean, yeah. uh, you, you talk about great athletes maybe retiring before that time. Look at the year that David Ortiz is putting up yeah. with Amazing. Boston. Among the league leaders in hitting, you know, uh, he had a home run the other night against the Giants at Fenway that was just an awesome spectacle to watch. And, you know, I, I like it, though, when players go out on top. Uh, it's it's sure. kind of a good thing uh, for them and for the game. John Elway retired, I believe, yeah. uh, when he won his second Super Bowl after after failing two or three times previous. So yeah. his legacy is always going to be those last two Super Bowls, not the ones that uh, his teams got blown out in. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, you never know really when you're on top and starting to fall because that's, that's, that is really hard to, to determine. Then, yeah, you know, and it really it really does hurt the legacy. Well, it does. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I think one thing, Edward, is that uh, w- when you're playing the game, you're having so much fun and you have such confidence that, when, you know, as Father Time moves along, you keep thinking to yourself, well, I'm smarter. I, I can, oh, I can uh, you know, make the shortcuts uh, to, to get to greatness. Uh, but, but, you know, as you get older, you realize there are no shortcuts to greatness. You still have Willie Mays, you know, was mm-hmm. is I an example of that. Mm-hmm. Willie had a great year at the age of 40. It wasn't a superstar kind of a year, but I think he started the season off hitting four homers in his first four games. He finished about 280 and hit about 23 homers. That was his last good year. And then the skills just, you know, kind of went away over the next couple of years. Athletes, it's very tough. You know, think about it. You're just hitting your prime. Guys like yourself and myself yeah. in the business world, when we are in our 40s, we're at our peak, 40s and 50s. Athletes, you know, they have to find a new venue, a, a new uh, a new you know, a walk of life, and it's not easy. Well, I'm hoping that in my 50s that I, I've, uh, <laughs> I've learned a little bit more from my 40s so yeah. that I don't make the same mistakes. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a little bit more of the brain than it is the Well, it's good to part. see people mature, too. I remember Jim, it was a great story, Jim Barnett, who played with the Warriors and played with Nate Thurman and played with some great players like Earl Monroe in New York and Dr. J in Philadelphia and Pistol Pete Maravich in, in New Orleans, told me a wonderful story about um, his relationship with one guy on the team. Elvin Hayes. You remember Elvin Hayes? I sure do. And I think he might have even told us this story, but it's a fun story to tell again. Jim was a talker like you and I. We love to chat. And I think Elvin Hayes was a guy, Jim told me once, he says, Elvin Hayes was was kind of a, uh, a naive kid, and he didn't like white people when he first came in the league, and he didn't like me. And we had an argument once in an airport, he said, and, and Elvin came after me, and I ran. He says, and I, and I was too fast. He couldn't catch me. <laughs> and then Elvin, I guess, said, early on when Elvin was playing with the San Diego Rockets, who were an expansion team in the late 1960s, um, he was not following instructions of the coach during a game. He kept dropping a ball and, and letting it go out of bounds. And the coach finally you know, called timeout and said, what's, what's going on, Elvin? Why, why are you dropping the ball? And he goes, I, I catch ball. And those were his exact words. Well, you're not doing it, so we're going to change the play. It doesn't matter. He uses the, I guess, Elvin used the um, the F word and uh-huh. told him to, you know, where to go. He says, you're not going to be around anyway in a couple of days. And, in fact, he was fired. <laughs> they bring in a guy named Alex Hannum, who, as Jim Barnett uh, referred to him as a SH kicker. You know, <laughs> you put it, fill in the blanks there. Yeah. He was a former player, big power forward. It led the Sixers as a coach to the championship. And Hayes was kind of lollygagging it during practice. And so... 
uh, Hannum told everybody else to go outside for a few minutes, take a break. He was going to talk to Elvin because Elvin was the big star. The players come back in. Elvin had been, you know, kind of half going through the motions. He's running sprints up and down and dunking the ball. And Jim said, I can only imagine that Hannum shoved him up against the wall, put his hand on his throat, and told him, you better, you know, do what I tell you to do. But Jim told me later, he said, you know, Elvin has changed. He's gone through a transformation. He says, if I saw him today, I'd go up and hug him, and I might even give him a kiss on the cheek. And you know something? He deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) I love Jim Barnett. He's the Warriors uh, TV broadcaster now, by the way. Many, many, many years of doing that. So I I love Jim Barnett telling those stories. (laughs) All right, we're going to cut to our first commercial uh, break with the trivia question. Here it is. is, The theme is um, they blew their chance. Ah. This 23-season National League shortstop was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1954. In 1925, he helmed the Cubs as a player manager. He failed so bad at managing, the team not only fired him as manager, but traded him to the Dodgers. Who was this one-season manager? All right, stay with us. Sports Econ 101 will be right back. Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall & Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt and Wall & Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall & Associates now. 800-480-5708. We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves, and the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall & Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800 800- That's 800-480-5708. Again, 800-480-5708. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? 
but it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit, but you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our first trivia question about they blew their chance. This 23-season National League shortstop was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1954. In 1925, he held the, I guess that means he was at the helm, of the Cubs as a player manager. He failed so bad at managing, the team not only fired him as manager, but traded him to the Dodgers. Who was this one-season manager? I'm thinking about of players at that time. I'm thinking of a guy like Rogers Hornsby, but he was with the Cardinals. Yeah, he was with the Cardinals, yeah. yeah. Uh, drawing a blank here. Okay, he's got an interesting name. Okay. His, like. I'm going to guess his first name that they have down right. here is uh, is a nickname. Is a nickname. Okay. Uh, think of an animal, a small animal. A small animal. Oh, uh, the rat. Uh, yeah. Close, close. Stretch uh, it out a little bit. Uh, stretch it out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> not rat, but uh, Bugs Bunny. Bugs. Oh, Bugs. Uh, no, but not Bugs. But <laughs> uh, no, not Bugs. There was a guy named Bugs Moran. It yeah, was a no, picture. No. I'm close. Oh, okay. uh, Rabbit Maranville. Oh, Rabbit Maranville. Yeah, Rabbit Maranville. Not a great hitter. But a feisty player and a really fine shortstop. And we were talking about this off air just a second ago. One of the reasons I think baseball history is always so fascinating, Edward, is that we do get a chance during a long season to really get to know these guys, yeah. to see them, to understand them. You know, when you're a kid, you always try to imitate the guy. Oh, the yeah. We used to have a game where you'd stand <laughs> at the plate and you do the the strange batting stance, and we try to, to guess. guess yeah, I remember. Guess we did that, too. Did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, especially yeah. someone like Willie Stargell oh, or Willie Joe Stargell, Morgan. Joe Morgan with, yeah, with, a little, easy. with that little uh, hitch in his, in his arm. Yeah. There was a guy named Dave Nicholson back in the 60s who used to put his elbow up real high, and he'd peek out over his elbow, and it was the strangest thing I'd really? ever seen in my life. Yeah. Then, of course, Craig Council. Yeah, I was always, just going to say Craig Council. Craig Council yeah. always looked like there was some invisible marionette up there pulling him <laughs> skyward, and he was just stretched out. It was the strange, That's the strangest batting stance I've ever seen. Dick McAuliffe, another guy who had the, the foot in the bucket, you know, he was almost facing the pitcher, the great second baseman with the Detroit Tigers. Um, Wait, when you say the foot in the bucket? Well, you know, I, uh, I mean, he, he, he was outside the, what is it? Outside, outside the, the box? box? Outside the box, yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to do that. Well, yeah, you know, he was in the, wasn't completely outside the box, but kind of. And of course, the box gets sort of obliterated over yeah. the course of time, so the the umpire. I love the way Willie Mays used to come up. He had this habit of digging in with his left uh, spike and kind of you know getting himself set and he'd he'd wave the bat around. There was just something that yeah. got you. It was almost like he was winding himself up. Yeah, yeah. And the the air of anticipation when Willie would come to the plate. I, I went to a lot of games at Candlestick in the '60s as a kid uh-huh. to see him play. When he'd stride out onto the field, if he was in a pinch hitting situation, there was a murmur that used to rise from the crowd as in the anticipation of seeing this great guy play. I remember a game against Philly. Uh, back in, oh gosh, 1970, Willie's at the tail end of his career. He comes out as a pinch hitter. The crowd is going crazy. The, war- the Giants need a big hit. Comes up, pinch hit home run. You know, you know what? Great I was 
I didn't go you, to that many games, but I, that's you, I did you, actually go to that game. Yeah, yeah, it was well, against the Phillies. Yeah, it was bottom yeah. of the ninth. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, and they ended up winning, I think, in extra innings. And Willie, Willie was just yeah, you know so he lived for those moments. It's interesting to note though, Willie, his rookie year was in the on deck circle when Bobby Thompson yeah, uh-huh. hit the home run yep. that won the pennant. And Willie, in later years, admitted he said, "I was just hoping that Bobby would hit one. I did not want to have to get up there." And when Thompson hit the home run, Willie was so amazed. Everybody else was on the field, and he, he figured, okay, base hit, couple runs score, I'm up next. He didn't realize the game was over. He said, I was so stunned. <laughs> he threw the bat away. Hey, let's go out and celebrate. All right. You know? But, you know, it's funny. He says that, like, then, but, yeah. you know, 10 years into his career, he's probably, not, no, no, I want to be Bobby Thompson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, the thing about Willie is Willie is a, another guy who is a great storyteller. And, and he, you know, the great thing about these older guys is they tell their stories and then they embellish them a little bit, which is the <laughs> sign of a good storyteller. And they change it a little bit and they add something to it. I mean, if you don't do that, but I think baseball allows itself for that, Edward, because of the, the great uh, periods of, you know, inactivity when everybody's standing around in the hot sun and, you know, players get a chance to really – you get to see them. You, you get to see what they look like. They're all ages. They're all sizes. You know, baseball is the only yeah. sport where the athletes can That's be true. anything That's from a little point. kind of a runny guy to some tall, uh, you know, raw bone pitcher like a Madison Bumgarner, or how about a giant like uh, Randy Johnson? Yeah, six you know? eleven. Yeah, or, or you get a guy like Jose Altuve down in Houston who's like five five. Yeah, but a great player. Yeah, terrific player. Well, I remember reading something. Uh, some it was like a long maybe it was a Sports Illustrated or something with with Willie. And it was really interesting because he was noticing little things mm-hmm. like, you know, the catcher had uh, uh, it looked like he hurt his leg a little bit. Mm. And he remembered that. Oh, and yeah. again, he could have been embellishing, but it's still a great no, story. You know, so, he, you know, it's like when point. he when he, you know, and uh, what were the odds that he was going to score in the game? Yeah, I don't know. You know, but he, he remembered eh, this catcher's got a bad left foot. So I'm going to slide around to the, I mean, it was oh, like sure. this whole big strategy, you know, and it's like, well, they always talk about a baseball IQ. And they said, Willie had the highest one. And he he admitted that uh, after he took batting practice, he would stay and watch the other team. And he'd look for little things, you know, like how mm-hmm. this particular outfielder might have shaded uh, a certain hitter. And he would direct the defense from center field. You know, he'd tell guys where to yeah. move on certain uh-huh. plays, certain pitches. Willie was – he didn't have a lot of other interests outside of baseball, and he really didn't – it was kind of stunning when you talk to Willie about just everyday things, how little he seemed to know. But when it came to baseball, not only did he seem to know everything, but you ask him a question even today at the age of 84 about a game, a pitcher, a moment, he can tell you the exact count – the moment he hit the, you know, what pitch he hit on uh, for the home run back in some, you so know. So when's he going to be on our show? I, I got to get him on. Got to get Willie I know, on. I know. It's, you said his eyes at eyesight or is he? His, his eyesight is, is, is pretty much shot. Uh, you know, he looks great physically. I mean, he's 84. Willie always took care of himself. He, yeah. he ate well. Uh, he didn't overeat. He never drank. As a matter of fact, uh, oh. great story. When the Giants won the pennant in 62, beating L.A. in the three-game playoffs, uh, Willie took a, a bottle of champagne and took a, a quaff. And he said he got sicker than a dog. And he says that's wow. one of the few times he's ever had alcohol. Well, wow. so. so at 84, with his eyesight going, right. he'd probably only hit about 260. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw him in an old-timers game. About, that was about 30 years ago. And he, and he was hitting the ball over the fence. And uh, somebody asked him afterwards, you know, how would you get hit three balls over the fence? And he, and he just kind of laughed. And that, he had that wonderful cackle. Ah! <laughs> like that. But he didn't put up with any nonsense. If he didn't like you or didn't know you, he could be kind of rude. You had to get huh. to know Willie. It's kind of like Barry Bonds. I got to know Barry Bonds and Willie Mays, you know, fairly well. I wasn't buddies with either one of them, but they were always on a first name basis. 
And they understood that I wasn't going to bother them and I wasn't going to ask them non-baseball questions, and we always got along well. But mm-hmm. it's, I think it's true with anybody. If you, if you get off on the wrong foot, and especially if you're in the media um, in those days, in the, in the 80s and the 70s, and even I'm going back to the 60s with Willie, you know, players would just cut you out, and that's just the way it is. Well, so uh, I think you, you were starting to s- tell a story, though, about an old-timers game, and he uh, hits three home runs, or he hits balls over, and well, someone hit, said something. Well, no, I mean, he hit three three balls over the fence, and, you know, a guy says, you know, how'd you go out and do that in batting practice? I mean, I, that's not something you can do. And he goes, I, I just, just do what I normally do. He goes, yeah, but, but, but you're, you're 52 years old. He goes, well, you know, I could still do it. Yeah. And Willie believed it. You know, you had to believe it. I think that, that arrogance, maybe that's not the right word, but that confidence, confidence yeah. you've got to have that. Even in your latter years, look at Nolan Ryan. He pitched till he was, what, 46? And yeah. he pitched two or three no-hitters after he turned 40. Yeah, I saw one of those no-hitters, and it was an amazing thing to, to behold because he had one of those rare arms. He never got tired. He never had yeah. an injury to an arm, I don't believe. And the ball was just sizzling the last inning. I mean, everybody in the ballpark, and this was during the time when the A's were really good. The yeah. Oakland, Oakland A's were really uh-huh. good back in the late 80s, 80s early 90s. Yeah. He was just mowing them down. You know, Canseco, McGuire, Ricky, Ricky Henderson. Henderson yeah. That was his 5,000 strikeout. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, he was just on a roll, and that, that was fun to watch. I mean, you love to watch the great ones. It was funny. I was uh, uh, just fooling around with the uh, the local professionals here in the San Rafael Pacifics. And I was saying, you know, I, I've always, I'd love to, you know, try to hit a, a ninety mile an hour fastball. You know, <laughs> he goes, well, okay, well, you know, we'll put you some, put you in some catcher's gear. And, I'll, yeah. and I'm thinking, you put me in catcher's gear, I'm not going to be able to swing the bat. Just, just get an idea of how to catch one of those balls. Well, if you ever go to a batting cage, it's interesting. You can you can put the uh, the batting cage uh, pitching machine at a certain uh, level, like seventy five or eighty mile. I, I went out there and tried to hit a ball that was just under eighty, and I couldn't even hit it. Well, is that from a pitching machine? Yeah, yeah. See, the pitching machine is harder than uh, a guy throwing. Really? Yeah, because the a guy throwing, you can tell when it's leaving his hand. Okay. It, a pitching machine, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And you really... But it, I would think know, with, you know, a, with a pitch that's thrown by a, a pitcher, it might have a little more movement on it, perhaps, unless the guy's throwing you just a straight fastball. But, but even if a straight fastball sometimes will... Not a straight fastball, but a fastball will rise or yeah. drop. It just depends. I mean, I love watching some of these guys who... You know, Sergio Romo for the Giants, uh, who has just come back onto the team, he's their setup man and has been a part of their three World Series titles. He has this thing, he calls it a Frisbee slider. And the ball seems to just, you know, it's almost like it it discombobulates and then comes back together again. And it, it, when it's on, it's hard, it's impossible to hit that ball. I don't know how you throw it. But he's been, since he came back, I think that's a key to the Giants' success. Their, their bullpen has been pretty weak. Uh, in the first half, and if they can get him back as a setup guy, I think their their bullpen could fall into place. Yeah, you you watch him, and he doesn't really throw that fast. No, and he's not a submarine pitcher. No, he's not. But he's got the, it was a slider, right? It's, it's a slider, and it just has a lot of movement. I mean, it it comes, it changes movement sometimes two two or three times, and it's really hard to gauge. You have to kind of sit on it. And how do you sit on a pitch like that? Because you don't know where it's going to go. And you're sure it's not a spitball. No. But the thing is, if it's not <laughs> doing that, it's very hittable. Yeah. It well, just reminds me of Eckersley He's, in the 88 World Series with Kirk Gibson. Well, he had one pitch that he threw that was really tough to hit, and he hadn't thrown it in that at bat. And it was a long at bat. It was a, I think it was a nine-pitch at bat. And Gibson was guessing that he was going to throw that pitch. It was called a backdoor slider. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he turned on it. He, he got inside it and turned on it, and Eckersley, you know, Doffed his cap to him later, figuratively speaking, yeah. because that's a tough pitch to hit. All right, we're going to cut to our next commercial break here. Uh, again, the trivia theme is, they blew their chance. The Angels just didn't like me. 
I played for them for five games in 1967, and that was it for my playing career. Wow. In 1988, I replaced manager Cookie Rojas to become the Angels' 15th manager in 28 season, seasons. My 0-8 record didn't impress the owner, and he never <laughs> called me back. Who am I? Oh, geez, you're talking about somebody pretty <laughs> obscure, huh? Uh, yeah, this one is kind of tough. Okay. This one was somebody I, I wouldn't know. Again, no. a, kind of a funny first yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Sports Econ 101. I'll be right back. Invest in some fun this season with this deal from Paintball Tickets. With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. With the purchase of your Paintball Tickets, you'll receive free admission and equipment rentals to some of the most played-at paintball parks nationwide. And by partnering up with like-minded, safety-conscious paintball fields in thriving markets across the nation, we've ensured there's always a field close to home. These tickets, which can be purchased in bulk, are designed to fit the needs of every skill level, from casual observers to weekend warriors. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent, so email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best-kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like, because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this, so call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at pacificmoneyfund.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. We asked a very obscure question here this last time. Here it was. Here it is. The Angels just didn't like me. I played for them for five games in 1967, and that was it for my playing career. 
1988, I played, I re, excuse me, I replaced manager Cookie Rojas to become the Angels' 15th manager in 28 seasons. My 0-8 record didn't impress the owner, and he never called me back. Mm. Who am I? God, I got no idea. I remember uh, Gene Mock was there in 1986 when they blew that 3-1 lead to Boston in the ALCS. Oh, I remember camera. that. Yeah. Uh, now, th- this was... Uh, Somebody I I don't even know this yeah. name, but again, if, if for well, a nick, for a nickname, he's got uh, it's should. an animal, yeah, uh, one that's usually in the cold. Okay, and then uh, the last name is the only thing I could think of is uh, the love boat. Uh, you got me, <laughs> Moose Stub- Stubing. Oh yeah, no, Moose, Moose Stubing I, I was know. actually a very good scout and coach. Um, and had a good reputation. He was wasn't, a baseball wasn't a good coach for the Angels. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, some guys were just not meant to be managers. Some guys uh, were meant to be uh, talent evaluators, scouts, coaches. Um, you mentioned Cookie Rojas. Cookie. Got a quick story about Cookie Rojas, who was a great second baseman with Philadelphia uh, back in the 1960s and in early 70s. And he, he was managing the Angels in the late 80s. Uh, this would have been right after this fella. As a matter of fact, it might have been, he might have replaced him. And, of course, you remember the Angels were pretty good in the mid-'80s. They had Gene Mock. They had a great team. You know, Mike Witt was on that team. Donnie Dave Moore. Dave Henderson played for them, right? Well, no. Dave, Dave was with the Boston. He hit the oh, home, Boston. That's right. Again, against the Angels. That's he hit the right. home run off yeah, of Donnie right. Moore, which kind of ruined Donnie Moore's career. Where Donnie Moore went on to, you know, sadly kill himself several years later after that. He, he just uh. never never recovered. They, also, they always refer to it as the pitch that killed um, in the this is the 1986 ALCS. You know Henderson hits the home run, ties the game, and then the Red Sox came back, won that game, and won the next two, go to the World Series. But Cookie Rojas, they're playing the A's. They got swept by the A's. The A's. This is when the A's were just awesome in, in '88, early season. The A's got off to a just an impressive start. And I'm in the clubhouse afterwards with a bunch of writers, and writers have a tendency when a manager has lost a game to be very quiet and very timid and very <laughs> fearful about asking the first question. I, on the other hand, had to get my questions asked quickly, get in, get out, and move on, because I had to get as many interviews as I could. I, would, I was feeding a bunch of radio networks. So I said something about, gosh, yeah, Cookie, I mean, it's tough to go up against this A's team. They're just an awesome collection of talent. He looks at me kind of disdainfully, and he says, the A's are awesome, man. We're really worried about the blinking, blinking A's. I says, it is especially tough to lose uh, a close game like this after two blowouts. And he goes, no, I'm going to buy a blinking birthday cake and put candles on it and celebrate the blinking loss. <laughs> Never forget Okay, that but one. tell us what you really feel. Yeah, tell us how you really feel. Billy Martin, I tell you, if you got on the, on the wrong side of the fence with him, oh, man, he would embarrass you. And I remember one time I asked him a couple of questions in a row because nobody else was asking him. And he looks over at me and goes, what is this, a one-on-one interview? You see there are uh, other people around here that would like to ask a question. I said, oh, no, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but nobody asked a question. Nobody asked a question. Billy uh, So, Billy, a, would you like to ask us a question? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Never saw evidence of Billy's temper until his last year in Oakland in 1982 when the A's late in the season lost a game. And I heard all this terrible uh, – you know, commotion coming from his office. We were outside the locker room at the time. The locker room had been, or the clubhouse had been closed. And it sounded like furniture breaking and screams. <laughs> and we go in later, and, and Billy walked by us, and he had this cut over his eye. He, he just destroyed his office, and things were breaking against the wall. And I guess a piece of glass flew off the wall and hit him in the <laughs> face. And he just, he was gone by the next day. He was out of there. But Billy had a tendency. He, he was the most paranoid individual, but he would always be thinking, two or three steps ahead of you. 
and unconventional. I mean, he he did things that nobody did. Uh, I mean, what was he about five eight? He was kind of a little guy. guy. He was tough. He had a had a tough uh, mom who raised him to be a fighter. She said, "Don't ever come home telling me that somebody's bullying you. You know, you hit him first. <laughs> and he and Billy did. Billy would often hit first because he knew he wasn't a great fighter. But if he got in the first punch, there was a good chance he could get in the second, the third. And by the time the the guy realized what was going on, it'd be too late. He'd be down and <laughs> the fight would be over. That was Billy. Billy used his aggressive, almost paranoid personality to win. And uh, it, it worked for a long time. It's sad what happened to him off the field. He was just a, a miserable failure uh, as a person. Um, and he had a lot of he had a lot of good friends, but he had he had some demons. And yeah, um, he, in fact, I remember he died on Christmas Christmas Day. Day. Christmas Day. He, 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 drinking well, with a buddy or something. He, it was like he, drunk driving. Yeah, thing. he and a buddy were driving. His friend was driving, and the friend fell asleep at the wheel, and they rolled down the side of a hill, and Billy broke his neck, and that was it. And Billy, I think, was fifty seven or fifty eight. Might have uh, been. You know, Billy had a tendency. He'd take over a team that was underachieving. Within a couple of years, they'd be a, a, a champion. Sometimes a contender the next year. He did that in New York. He did that in Detroit. He did that in Texas. He did that in Oakland. But uh, inevitably, what would happen is he'd burn out. Yeah. He, his, his, his style of managing, not his style of managing, but his personality just wore on people. I wonder if, uh, you know, coming from the Yankees, the way they played, uh, you know, winning all those championships in the 50s, and if, he was a second baseman, right? Second baseman. And he was a pretty Very good, good, he was very a good, good second, second baseman. baseman. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, sometimes just carrying that into a clubhouse, it's like, you know, you realize who you're playing for, yeah. and it kind of steps up the level. Well, I think players respected him. I think they they feared him. I think they realized that he had extreme, uh, extremely deep knowledge about the game, and they appreciated that. But um, he also was unpredictable. And if you got on his wrong side, I remember Shooty Babbitt, who was a guest <laughs> of ours on the show, who's a scout. I had a great name, Shooty Babbitt. Yeah. Shooty only played for the A's one year, the 80, 81, when they went to the playoffs. And he got on Billy's wrong side. Billy just never liked him. Just never liked him. And, you know, Billy was a product of his time, too. He's a, he was a little bit prejudiced towards African-Americans, although, you know, today they'd say that much more so than he did than they would back in those days. But I think that Shooty was, you know, from the same, the same area. They both grew up in the East Bay, and for some reason he just – there was something about Shooty that just rubbed him the wrong way. And Shooty says it was too bad because it, he never was able to really get his career going after that. But he had that one year with Bill, and he said he learned so much – from Billy watching but, him. But I wonder, um, why? I mean, Shooty was a decent player. He was a decent you player. Know, why didn't he get traded? Or well, just you know, I like, there are a lot of guys, it's, it's true in all walks of life, Edward, there are a lot of people that, that do okay, you know, when they get their cameo opportunity, but then it, for whatever reason, they don't know the right person, the right opportunity doesn't present itself again, and you're sort of lost in the shuffle, and that's, that's you, part you, of life. You know, th- mentioning about that, I was just thinking about, um, you know, Refrigerator Perry. Oh, you know, yeah, if you read yeah, about it sure. recently, it's just like, yeah. what? The, the poor guy is just gone downhill. Well, yeah, we expect so much from these athletes. We forget that they're human beings. Some of them do very well once they get out of the game. And, you know, look at Charles Barkley. He's had such a terrific career as a, as a commentator. Yeah. But then you get somebody, you know, like our friend Mike Norris, who was the former pitcher for the A's, who really has struggled with substance abuse. And Mike is just a sweetheart. I love Mike Norris. But he's had some rough times. And, you know, uh, there have been times where he's disappeared for, for days and people wondered where he was. And, you know, he's, he's uh, had some physical problems. And there are a lot of guys that are in much worse shape than him. Donnie Moore, we mentioned Donnie Moore. Yeah. He, he was a terrific reliever back in the mid-'80s. But – Gave up that home run to Dave Henderson and was never the same after that. It's like oil can Boyd, same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what happens is, you know, you have that one moment in the sun where your opportunity is there and you blow it, like you were talking about the theme of our trivia today. Yeah. 
And sometimes that's just too much. You know, it, it can it can change. It's like the you know it's like the turning point in a game. A guy gives up a home run, the, the ball game is is forever changed. Well, ha, is uh, you know has Boston finally uh, forgiven Bill Buckner? Oh, I think so. You win the three titles in, in the last what is it uh, the last ten years, and, and I think everybody or more than ten years. But I mean, they three different, very different teams. Yeah, no, that's still to this day the Bill Buckner uh, situation to me is uh, has always been. One that uh, it's really a shame because he had such a great career. Yeah. Maybe not a Hall of Fame career, but he played, I believe, almost 20 years. But he had that one moment where the ball, he just blew it. He, and the thing was, John McNamara should have, the manager of the Red Sox at that time, should have taken him out. He had a very reliable glove man in Dave Stapleton. He didn't do it for whatever reason. And, you know, Buckner was hurting. He played a long game and, you know, ground ball, routine ground ball right through his legs. You know, it was kind of yeah. like Charlie Brown, <laughs> you yeah. know. Charlie Brown and Lucy, the ball goes through your legs, yeah. the game's over. Oh, no, you're the GOAT. I well, I'll never forget, Edward, yeah, I'm yeah, sitting yeah. in a hotel in, in New Hampshire with a buddy of mine. We'd been uh, hiking on a little vacation, a friend of mine from New York, huge Mets fan. And we're watching this game, and my friend goes nuts when the, when the, the winning run scored. And Buckner had the ball go through his legs. Next door, there were a bunch of guys watching television in the next room. And I can hear all these anguished cries, and it was like the Billy Martin situation. Furniture being smashed, and, I mean, yeah. the the people in Boston really took that one hard. That and and, and then the thing was, it was only game six. It was game six. They, but they, 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 everybody everybody just knew well, they weren't it, going to win. It was like the Giants in 2002. They, they blew oh, yeah, a 5 right. nothing lead in game six to the Angels, and everybody knew they were going to lose game seven. Or like the Warriors. When they lost uh, the, the games, they lost. Everybody was thinking, okay. You know, they'll come back and win one of these. But when they got to Game 7, you had this sinking feeling that it was just not to be. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still upset about the uh, San Francisco Giants 2002 oh, Angels one. I remember that one so well. But for some strange reason, the, this Cleveland Warrior one... Doesn't bother you it as much. Me well, as it's much. because the Warriors won the the title the year think, before. I think that's what it is, and the Giants hadn't won a hadn't, title. Yeah, since I think, and yeah, I think that's ever. why the Boston well, thing hurt so much. The Boston Red Sox hadn't won since what nineteen eighteen. Nineteen eighteen. Yeah, you know, something and San like Francisco that. Giants hadn't won at all. I mean, the won Giants won fifty in nineteen fifty four. Yeah, and that was when uh, Cleveland was favored. Uh, favored to win that one. Yeah, yeah and they swept them on four. Willie Mays made the great over the shoulder catch, but you know, it's just boy, when you have those moments in in the sun and you're opportunity and you and you let it get away that's just it's really tough it's yeah. really hard that's i don't like thinking about that no <laughs> <laughs> and uh we in just a little bit we're going to go to our our last uh trivia question right and uh let's see this Does it relate, uh, relate to that at all well we're talking again, about again the same theme well the, the theme is they blew their chance yeah. so uh we will we, definitely get into that we have just another minute before our, our trivia question break i was going to say uh even as a as somebody who didn't play on a high level at any sport, you know, outside of high school, maybe in a little bit of college, and I'm sure you're in the same boat, you can probably remember a moment, you know, in Little League, high school, baseball, whatever, where there was, you know, you had a chance. i never forget, I was pitching a no-hitter in Little League last day of the season. My dad takes me out in the sixth inning because Bobby Brooks, our catcher, hadn't pitched a game all year, and my dad wanted him to give him, give him a chance. He goes in, he gives up a bunch of runs, we lose the game. And I'll never, oh we had a gosh. team party afterwards, and I, I was just furious. And I reminded my dad of this years later, and he doesn't he never even remembered it. Of course he didn't remember it because it wasn't that big a deal to him. Yeah, but it was but a big deal to me. Now, did they play nine innings? No, in or it was back, it was in, back, back in those days it was six innings, yeah. But I was, I was pitching a no-hitter last game of the season. Uh, and he, he puts me out in the left field. He tells me, you know, 
They're going to hit the ball out to you. No, they hit the ball to center and the right. The two two other outfielders <laughs> couldn't catch the ball. Remember, this one kid picked it up, dropped it, picked it up, dropped it, picked it up, dropped it. Meanwhile, the runner's circling the bases. Everybody's going crazy. All his teammates are out there. The parents are jumping up and down, and I'm just sitting there throwing my glove on the on the ground. The old bad news bears. Oh, my God. How old are you? 12? 11. 11, yeah. yeah, so yeah. Right Same age as my daughter is today. So, you know. <laughs> Does she play softball? No, you know she's in there. She really likes to swim. I, I'm getting her oh, into surfing. Her. Yeah, and she likes to oh. get in the water. She's not afraid of the ocean. Uh, she's a good swimmer, and she really likes to just to have swim. A, just have a healthy respect for the ocean. Oh yeah, yeah. Always. The ocean always has the final say. Yeah, I think, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. Here's our last trivia question. Again, the theme is they blew their chance. Blew it. So here it is. I had a. I had a. a I had. A bat in my career, but mostly was overshadowed by my Braves teammate Hank Aaron. He had for, one one big at bat. You're saying? One. Yeah, it said it says I had a bat in my career. I don't understand what that means, but okay, okay overshadowed by my Braves teammate Hank Aaron for many seasons. I did, however, hit four home runs in one game. Ah. Four of my 336 shots. Right. I managed the Cleveland Indians in 1967. I know who this is. Okay, to, yeah. to a 75 and 87 eighth place record. Mm. This was it for me. Who am I? All right? Okay. That's the question. I'm not going to read it again. Too hard to understand. Okay. All right. Uh, stay with us uh, because Sports Econ 101 will be right back with some closing comments. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical and some may not qualify. The consultation is free and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. 
When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Last trivia question. Uh, when the theme is, they blew their chance. I had a bat in my career, but mostly was overshadowed by my Braves teammate, Hank Aaron. Maybe so, what it was, I had a great bat in my career. Maybe, maybe that's what it is, yeah. 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 Uh, my uh, teammate, Hank Aaron, for many seasons. I did, however, hit four home runs in one game, four of my 336 shots. So 336 home runs is pretty good. Yeah. I managed the Cleveland Indians in 1967 to a 75-87, eighth place record. Ouch. That was it for me. Who am I? Hall of Famer Eddie Matthews? No. No. Joe Adcock. Oh, Joe Adcock. Yeah, the first baseman. Yeah, that's... Oh, God, I should have known that one. I remember <laughs> right. Joe Adcock was... Yeah, Joe Adcock one of the few guys that uh, traded, think... a, traded a headdress for, uh, well, you know, whatever. I, 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 that's kind of a rude thing to say, but I'm just saying he braves to Indians, you know? Hey. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. I was so, wondering what you were saying. Yeah, okay. no, he, was a, he was a big, strong, raw-boned first baseman. Great hitter. I'm thinking of Eddie Matthews, but he, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Matthews never... was even more... Prolific as a uh, as a hitter. I don't think he hit four home runs though. Eddie no, I, I think you're right. Not too many guys did. Not that. too many. Willie Mays did it. Willie Mays, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the early sixties. That was in the early sixties against the Braves at Old uh, County Stadium, and he did it. He could have had uh, another one, uh, but uh, I believe he hit one of the fence and it, and it was caught. So <laughs> rascals. Yeah. All right. All right. Here's our thoughts for the day. The key is to keep company only with people who uplift you. Mm. Uplift you. Whose presence calls forth your best. That's a good, Isn't that that's a good one. A good one, yeah. Okay. I like that one. And do you want to know who you are? Don't ask. <laughs> Act. Action will delineate and define you. Mm. Who said that? Don't know. One of our presidents, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, probably a man the, of action. Probably the smartest man we ever had in the White House, too. Probably, yeah. yeah he's, Louisiana he's Purchase. Oh, he was an amazing. Oh, we could get off on a, a whole tangent about. All of his interests and, and uh, his strengths. Uh, you know, have you ever been to Boston with the Paul Revere house? Oh, yeah, yeah. Paul Revere, he must have been about five foot one. Not He's a, a little guy. guy, yeah. Yeah, a little guy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> must have been easy on the horse. Okay, tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and giving away more free vacations for answering sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long.